0: I guess that's my superpowers. I'm not afraid to say I don't know how, but teach me once and I'll learn uh, and I'll have it forever. And so that's how I built my career to this point, at least.
1: Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, we're catching up with Jeff Dack, CEO at Wonderman Thompson. Now Jeff has been in the industry for more than 20 years, and in that time, he has been a copywriter, a strategist, a client, and now a CEO. Given the number of hats Jeff has worn, I could think of no one better to share his top five tips on how to shift from strategy to the C-suite. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. We're uh, super excited to have you here. Terrific! if you could please introduce yourself, uh, tell us a bit about your background, um, and then we'd love to hear your five tips.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Um, all right. I'll give you the, the career CV and, you know, a couple of minutes. So I uh, started in 2000. And uh, as you mentioned, I started out as a copywriter and um, started out uh, working in a couple of different shops in Toronto, um, namely TBWA Shiat Day for a few months. And then my first real job I'd say was at a small agency called Zig. At the time it was really small as in like, I think I was employee number eight. Zig eventually became Crispin Porter Bogusky well after my time there, Uh, but that's where they raised me. It was amazing. It was a wonderful experience being part of a startup I was all of what 22 at the time i didn't know anything and i learned how hard you have to grind to make this career work in our industry which i'll call advertising just for general purposes Um, so zig was a wonderful education had some great mentors did some great work Um, and then from there took the the show on the road to uh, another agency cassette built up my kind of broadcast reel worked with uh, a partner um, that we were connected with for a few years uh, as a creative team, and really kind of were the the uh you know on the younger end there, uh, as far as kind of the creative powerhouse the cassette was at that time uh and a fabulous agency, and learned a lot and then I had the epiphany um and maybe this leads to today's conversation, where I wanted to understand if the work I was writing and making was actually resonating with the people it was supposed to resonate with, and so I found myself really interested in strategy and had a really unique opportunity to basically put my hand up and one day go from being a copywriter with five years of experience and equity to all of a sudden being a brand new strategic planner. Um, Got taken under the wing of a wonderful woman, Ann Sutherland, who was leading a, a company called Nucleus, which was the strategic planning division of Cassette at the time. And it was one of those just strange coincidences, I guess, where two or three of the very senior planners were all going on mat leave. So there was a spot and they needed to fill it. And within a month, I was leading planning duties on brands like Coca-Cola and um, McDonald's. Like, and I literally had been doing it in the job for a month. I didn't know what I was doing, but Anne kind of showed me the frameworks and how to basically do the job. And then I brought, I guess, a creative and strategic kind of acumen to it. And it worked out and it was wonderful. So I was a strategist for a while there. And then from there, um, went back into the creative side of things were a small agency called GWP Brand Engineering, and I was the associate creative director there. So um, had been kind of doing creative jobs and strategy jobs at various agencies, uh, then bounced around again back to Taxi, um, where I was a strategist, and I met you um, briefly, and had the opportunity to go from Taxi to their kind of offshoot at the time, their smaller version, which was called Taxi 2. Which didn't have a strategic planning division. And I was able to kind of bring strat planning into Taxi2 to kind of create the practice um, literally from scratch. So amazing agency opportunities for, say, 10 years or so. And then the real pivot happened. I got the opportunity to be a client, to go and be a marketer. So I led a marketing department um, at a CPG, at Jameson Laboratories, which is a vitamin, mineral, and supplement company. And I knew nothing about vitamins, minerals, or supplements. Uh, I knew what I knew, and they knew they wanted to think out of the box and just approach marketing differently. They had been dormant for years. And so for three years, I led their marketing department, which was a whole other world for me, literally had never been, never not worked in an agency. And it's a whole different life and a whole different approach. Uh, Learned a ton. The fourth year I was there, the owner came to a few of us and said, now I'm ready. Now that you've done such a great job kind of building up our share, I'm now ready to sell the company so we sold the company i went through the m a process we sold the company to private equity so i got to work with the private equity team for a while knowing that that would eventually be the end for me um because that's how these things go and that was all good from there i went returned back i guess to agency land to a company called low roche i was hired as their chief strategy officer and within a month as these things go um my boss the ceo uh was let go and myself and uh, another woman, a colleague of mine, mary Lee Campo, who's now uh, leading Ogilvy, um, at the time she was kind of the head of account service and I was the head of strategy and we were both tapped to be the co-presidents of this new agency. Of this agency. So all of a sudden I went from being a strategy guy to being a president. I was like, okay, I guess I'll figure that out. And that's a bit of a theme to the career, I guess. And we had a good run at La Roche, which led me to Cara Canada, which is a media agency. Um, and I led a media agency, not knowing a thing about media and to this day, don't know that much about it. And that's the, uh, by design, believe it or not. Um, my boss at the time, who was the CEO of Dentsu, Annette Waring, had a vision that said, We have enough practitioners who know media. We want someone who kind of approaches this thing differently. And I guess that's what I do. Uh, and so I led Kara. And Kara, we had a great run at Kara, built up the agency, got within a hair of being this, the largest agency in Canada. Got within literally 0.1% from uh, of, of being uh, the largest agency in Canada. So I left there as the number two largest agency in Canada with a great team behind us. Had a kind of a five-year plan. Got there in three years, and then that led me to Wonderman Thompson, where I am today. I lead Wonderman Thompson as the CEO. We are a, a creative, data, and technology company. So we um, we do advertising. We uh, do a lot of tech work. We do CRM. We basically do everything a modern agency can do. Without media, uh, we work with our friends at Group M when it comes to media. But beyond that, we work with fantastic clients. And I have the privilege of leading this group in Toronto and Montreal. And we have a handful of people out in Vancouver. So that's that's how I've gotten here to this point, And who knows what comes next?
1: Yeah. I I uh, picked up on something specifically that I want to ask you more about. It's this whole kind of figure that out uh, approach or mentality. Um, yes. it, it seems pretty obvious that, I mean... Are, are, are you comfortable with being uncomfortable? It sounds like you, you're, you're fine with kind of launching into the unknown. And, and where does that come from? Is it just bravery or, you know? Have- it's,
0: yeah, no, it's a great question. It's a great question. Thank you for asking. It's um, so uh, a person on our team recently left and I was asking her uh, where she's going. And she said, I'm actually leaving just to take a career pause and I want to take some courses and I want to learn X, Y and Z uh, through school. And I thought to myself and I told her, I was like, I could never go back to school. I literally at this point in my life with all the distractions in in front of me and just the things I I could not sit through school. However, you put me in a position where I am uncomfortable, I will figure it out because it's like that survival mechanism that something something kicks in where I literally uh, on purpose put myself in these uncomfortable positions where I don't necessarily know what I'm doing. But those around me know that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not afraid to say it and ask lots of questions. I think I'm curious by nature. I ask a lot of questions. I like to operate in a uh, an acronym-free zone, if you will, as in if you and I were working together and you said something about the, you know, that tool we use, the XYZ, I would stop you in your tracks and say, can you explain to me what XYZ is? And at first, it's really quite disconcerting to people because they're like, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, I-, I don't know. You use some acronym. I've never heard it before. Please explain it to me. And what's interesting and what happens is the people that you end up really valuing or that I end up really valuing and trusting are the people that can explain to me what XYZ is. And because I find in our industry especially, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and there's a lot of people who literally don't know what they are doing and are afraid to admit it and afraid to you know accept what they don't know and learn about it. Um, and so I find I gravitate towards the people that are brave enough to say, I've never done that before, but I'm going to learn, and then I'm going to know how to do it. Uh, and I gravitate to those who can explain their actions. And so for me, it's always been a case of I consider myself a marketer. I happen to be able to operate agencies and work in an agency culture and I like the roller coaster of that of of agencies and I enjoy the energy and the camaraderie and all that comes with it. But I also recognize that my value is to be the uh, chief generalist. I know a little bit about lots of things. I don't necessarily go deep in any area. Um, I guess that's my superpowers. I'm not afraid to say I don't know how, but teach me once and I'll learn uh, and I'll have it forever. And so That's how I built my career to this point at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really awesome superpower to have, because, uh, you know, I'm curious about that that confidence. Um, you know, I feel like I could thread this theme into every conversation I've had so far in this podcast, and, and it's the one around imposter syndrome, and mm-hmm. uh, something that a lot of people feel. And I think that, you know, sometimes your mental, uh, like that can get the better of you versus your whatever your experience or skills are, you, you might have those in spades. But if you don't you know, believe in yourself and have that confidence that are just willing to kind of get out there, um, you know, it can, it can hold you back. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't sound like you have that issue at all. Well, you
0: know, it's so um, thank you. I'll take this as a compliment. But here's the thing. I mean, the reality is we're all putting on some sort of, you know, front, depending on what your situation is, right? I have to lead from the front and I have to lead from the back. Uh, and I do both and I have no issue doing both. But I think it comes from, you know, you ask where it comes from. It comes from a level of perseverance. I mean, you know, the parts of the CV that are not as romantic to talk about is I've been out of work twice in the last seven, eight years for long periods of time, uh, not necessarily by my choosing. Uh, and those times are really hard for those who have families or mortgages or life. Like it is not pleasant. And, but I've gotten through both times and I persevered and came out of it better. So I do think there's something to be said about going through the battles, persevering recognizing that as bad as it may seem at the time, whether it's because the holding company you're working for is merging, or um, you know you sold the company and out you go, um, those times are tough, but if you can get through them, then everything else seems kind of not easy, but just seems a lot more palatable. And so I don't know if it's necessarily a confidence as it's much about I've chosen to do this as a career. you know. And so I take the good, I take the bad. My job is to take the bullets for our team and once in a while, get the opportunities like this to talk to people about our company and about, about me. So it's you kind of both things come with the territory. And, um, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be, but I don't think you can be a wallflower in this deal. I think you have to be confident enough to say, to admit what you know, to what, like I said, what you don't know. And also recognize that once you do that and you kind of have that moment, the people you're talking to, be it clients or be it holding companies or whatever, they're all just people. Nobody really knows what they're doing here. Some people just pose better as experts and i've been doing it longer like i wouldn't suggest i'm any smarter today at 45 than i was at 25 i'm just craftier i know i just get from a to b a little bit quicker because i know some you know i know workarounds but i think we're all just kind of figuring this out as we go and i think if you recognize everybody's just a human everyone's just trying to figure it out be honest with each other um you can have a lot of fun along the way too and you can solve problems i i personally and i know i'm i'm kind of ranting here i just what I don't like is walking into a room and feeling like everybody's got their chest out and everybody's on guard. I just think that feeling is so unnecessary because you're going to get to the same end goal regardless. Let's just be honest with each other and do it with a smile and do it pleasantly and I don't know. That's that's my approach
1: yeah and i and I also like kind of the the honesty about talking about this industry i mean no one ever really talks about the, the the layoffs and and the uh periods of unemployment that that people go through, but it's really a a natural and really uh i mean that that is the industry that that we are all a part of um and it's not really often uh talked about at all
0: well i'm i'm you know I'm glad you said it because I can tell you, you know listen. You know, you mentioned imposter syndrome, you mentioned, you know, I kind of said superpower. I think the other thing too, if you've done enough, if you worked in enough places and you've done enough jobs and the reality is our generation is probably the first and I'm generalizing, but our generation is probably the first to kind of accept the fact that you will work in lots of places and do lots of things. And now it's kind of the norm, the generation before us, I don't think did. But if you accept the fact that you've done lots of jobs, you've been in lots of situations, you should have a pretty strong level of empathy. Uh, I remember what it's like to be a 23-year-old copywriter. I remember vividly what it was like to be a 30-year-old ACD. Like I remember these experiences. I remember what it felt like to be out of work. And so when these things happen to others, one – I'm always happy to reach out. I return every email, every text. Anytime anybody reaches out to me, I will get back to them because I remember what it felt like when those people didn't. And now lo and behold, I'm in a position to employ them and don't think we don't, we don't remember these things. Um, but I also think like developing a sense of empathy and understanding, like the reality is the last couple of years, we've had to say goodbye to a lot of people, some by choice and a lot not. Right? There's a lot of attrition. Um, and I know what it feels like, and having to be the person who leads a company now, I hopefully bring that to the table and say, you know, this is the reality of the situation. I I can empathize with how you're feeling right now. Know that I've been there. It helps you when it comes to the hard times. It also helps you in the good times. What better than with sitting with a client who has to make a really big, multi-gazillion-dollar decision, and you can say to them, hey, listen, I'm certainly not in your shoes today, but I was a few years ago. Here's how I handled it for what it's worth, right? Because I literally have been there and I've literally done that. And so I think empathy is really important. Uh, and I think it's important and I think it matters. And to your point about the industry, there is a lot of, in uh, I'll keep it swear free In Yiddish, they call it Mishigas. There's a lot of Mishigas in this industry. I think there's less now than there used to be, but there's still a lot of it. And I think a lot of it's unnecessary. And I think a lot of it, to your point, is puffery, is posturing, it's imposter syndrome and i think if we all just acknowledged what we know and what we don't we'd all be a lot better for it.
1: Hmm. Well and and this other theme um you know i've been there uh you know it, it's really i find it really fascinating when creatives move uh to the strategy side. i was curious when you were creative what was your relationship with strategists like did you work with other planners closely or was that kind of still I mean, you know, planning as a discipline was perhaps, you know, still evolving. I mean, it <laughs> continues to evolve now. So,
0: Yeah, we definitely did. And I say we, because it was always linked with an art director, right? As a partnership, we definitely worked closely, closely with strategists, with the planners. I would say if I was to get really specific and general or, you know, no, actually not general, specific, I'm a way in guy. Like I love the way in I love the blank sheet of paper. We don't know what we're going to do. But we need to figure out the starting point, you know, the, the sprint, the way in. And I always knew that about myself um, and that I was a volume shooter in the sense of I was not a naturally gifted writer. I needed to write 100 lines to get to one, to get it on that billboard. Um, and so knowing that about myself, I was always interested to understand how that brief came to be. And I think at some point when I started to wake up to the the opportunities and the strategy, I recognized I don't necessarily agree with this brief. Like I don't understand how the sausage is being made. I just understand that I get, a piece of paper, I get a piece of paper that says, you know, create awareness for X, Y, Z. And it's like, okay, why? Like I was always questioning why, that, why it was or where it came from or where, the, like, where did that insight come from? And, you know, at the time, you know, looking back, could I have dug in further to understand it? Sure. But instead I said, hey, I'd actually just like to learn it myself and do it as a job. Um, so that's what I did. But, um, yeah, always work closely with players. I, I, listen, we're, our thing's a team sport. I work closely with everybody. Art directors at the time, planners, the account service people, management—I mean, you can't get things done on your own. Uh, If you could, you probably would. When I was a client, we used to say it all the time. Like we used to give work out to agencies, and we took a lot of work in-house. We were just like, "I I know how to do some of this work. Why are we hiring agencies when we can do it ourselves?" Right. And so, if you kind of look at it through the—if they can do it themselves, they will. Lens. um, I think you you can—you know—be better for it in this industry. But also, um, yeah, I was interested in where those insights came from. And that, and how the pro, like what the process was to get there, right? So when I when I started in strategy, I learned about research, I learned about qual, I learned about quant. I became a certified, uh, a Korea, I think it was Korea at the time, certified moderator. Like I wanted to learn everything about how it worked, so then I could just develop those skills and kind of apply the creative skills um, to a strategic discipline. And uh, I guess it worked out okay because I still use those skills today.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, let's let's dive in there then, because I want to hear more about the skills that, that you learned before and how you apply them now. Um, what sure. what's your first step in terms of moving from strategy to the C-suite? C-suite?
0: So, I, um, you know, of course, I, I bucketed my themes, as any ex-planner will do. Well, I don't think you're ever an ex-planner. Always, once, once, yeah, exactly. There should be. Once a planner, always a planner. So these are in no particular order. Um, But I'd say, that, you know, one of the themes is. um. Self-awareness, right? know thyself. Um, because the gig itself, uh, leading an agency, uh, is different. <laughs> the work is different. Uh, in a sense, the the brand you're working on is the one you lead. You don't necessarily get to, quote unquote, do the work that you used to do. And so the irony, and it's certainly not a new story, is you get really good at one part of our you know, industry or in one discipline, and then they promote you into a, a completely other one. So I don't get to do as enough strategic heavy lifting or creative visionary work or even account management work as I used to. I kind of do it all, but very little of it. So I think you need to be a self-starter. You need There isn't necessarily going to be a, a training manual. There is no 101 on how to do this. Everybody does it differently. I kind of use, I, I lean on my gut a lot. I think my gut's informed by pretty decent data, um, but I also remember bosses I worked for or management you know, teams I worked for that tonally I didn't like. So I continually remind myself of what kind of, what kind of leader do I want to be? Um, but I think the bottom line is, you know, beware of what you ask for, because you might get it. And when you do get it, recognize the work is different. You are leading a company and responsible for the performance of a company. You're not necessarily going to just get to lob in a bunch of ideas and bring those things to life. It's a different deal. Um, and so you just gotta be aware of that and um and I am, and that I've done it a couple of different times and i I do love the work uh but it is a different type of work, and I couldn't have done this say twenty years ago, right? I needed to be at a certain stage in life um and have certain you know wants and needs uh that are fulfilled by this job, which is different than being a strap planner. There is something beautiful about being a copywriter or a strategic planner or a designer, like there's something so um pure about those roles that I do miss them at times. I will be honest with you. I've had people complain to me about their jobs and I'm thinking to myself, I would love to just be a copywriter. (laughs) Like I, I just would love it again. I would love to just be a strat planner and be worried about my job today is just to crank out this brief and make it as tight as it can be. Like I would love that. I miss that at times.
1: There is such an irony in all this, though, because we started out our conversation and you talking about how, you know, you don't necessarily know what you're getting yourself into. Um, It's a little bit of the unknown, but I guess, you know... it's interesting. Like, there's a there's a kind of a little bit of a gap, maybe between knowing knowing thyself, but then maybe launching into the unknown. There's there's the part where I guess maybe where you rely on your gut and take that leap and say, okay, I don't know a hundred percent what this is going to be, but I know myself enough to think that I can be at least, you know, decent or more than decent at this.
0: Well, you're you're so you're right. I mean, I know myself know well enough to know if you said, Jeff, you have to take a management course to get this job, I'd say I'm sorry, I'm not your guy. But he said, Jeff, here's the job. Here's the job. You have three months to figure it out and deliver X. I'm your guy. Because then all of a sudden, uh, the pressure's on. So I think when you know yourself, you have to know kind of how do you learn? How do you thrive? I thrive, I think, I have to this point at least, in agencies because of the roller coaster. But I'm very fortunate and privileged to have a very stable home life. If my home life wasn't stable, I don't think I could do ride the roller coaster of agency life. Like There's only so much I can take, but I, I know kind of, I guess what the juice is for me. Right. And so that's what I mean about knowing, knowing yourself and knowing now that said, you said about the career for a moment, you know, the same way as strategists, we tell our clients and it's just you know, client as agency people to not presume they know the answer till they go through the process, kind of the same way with the career conceptually, I always knew I wanted to lead in some form or fashion. But specifically, I didn't necessarily know. It's nice to look back and say this action led to this action. But the reality is some of those things were just happened and I made them work and I have a narrative about them. But, um, you know, I think it's more about having a destination, but being open to how you kind of get there and recognizing that once you're there, you're not really anywhere. You're not. There's no there. <laughs> so it's all a journey, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like you have this like, what have I got to lose attitude, which I think is really admirable and <laughs> it's obviously worked well for you. Thank you. Um, okay, so we, we once we kind of know ourselves, what what else would you recommend? What else? What other tips would you provide?
0: Um, so I'd say number two, um, it can be a little lonely. So you got to be ready for that, right? I, you know, I jokingly say it, but I say it a lot. When I'm by myself, uh, I'm the smartest guy in the room, right? And there's something to that, you know. I came up in my career for ten years working with partners. Like literally having a a person who I would sit across from, and bounce ideas back and forth, who would challenge me, who would call bull, who would say we can do better, and you, unless you're in a co situation, and I've been lucky enough to be in that situation once, but if you're not in a co kind of leadership situation, ultimately it's your call there, and that's hard. You have to be comfortable making the call. Knowing that you're doing it for the rightest reasons possible at the time, uh, the reason you have the job is because you have, you know, you have the ability to make those tough decisions. Um, but I kind of need to be surrounded by people who push my thinking, because I think, you know, in the last two years has not been easy, right? A lot of us has worked, have been in our heads a lot, and working by ourselves a lot. And um, you can convince yourself of anything, you know. I've worked with a coach in the past who had a really good line about, um, you know, facts and feelings. You know, at times when things get tough, separate what are the facts from how you feel about those facts because ultimately that's just a narrative you're telling yourself. So, you know, break it down and talk and think of it through that lens. And so, um, you know, just be ready to kind of at some point work by yourself. And I know it seems obvious, but for a lot of our industry, it's very collaborative. Like I said before, it's a team sport. And then all of a sudden you're put on your own island and you're told to make these calls and you're used to having other people around to kind of balance your thinking off of. And so I guess. You need to find people in your company or outside your company who you trust, who aren't going to tell you what you want to hear. And you have to have the wherewithal also to recognize that most people you speak to are going to tell you what you want to hear. And so you got to push past that and create an environment where people feel safe and trusting enough to say, you know what, Jeff, I appreciate the position you're in, but I, I think there's a better idea here. And I I love that. Like, I love that. It just, I wish that happened more, right? And so I guess it's, you know, the the thought or the notion is, It can be a bit lonely in this gig, so make sure you have people around you that you trust, that you can have sounding boards, um, and that will push your thinking, or else you'll just get stale.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, how much does like politics uh, fold into all of this, though? Because I I think, obviously, to get to that level, you you got to be pretty good at that, too.
0: You know, it's interesting. So I would love to say it doesn't, but of course it does, right? It's... You know, and and I can only speak from the perspective of I've led companies that are part of networks, part of holding companies, right? So I I can't tell you what it's like to be um, a real entrepreneur or to work for an independent. Like, I don't I don't really know what that's like at this level within networks. um, I don't know if it's it's political. It's more about, I would suggest, merchandising. And by that, I mean, um, I've only worked in Canada. And, I'm, you know, we're part of these North American and global companies that can oftentimes say they love Canada and remember Canada, but they oftentimes just forget. And they don't necessarily know our market. Um, our market isn't the same as the U.S. And you can say, oh, yeah, just divide the, divide the U.S. pot by 10. You got Canada. But no, it's a different market. And I, so I don't think it's as political as it is about reminding, consistently reminding the powers that be around you about the value of the work you're doing. In Canada, and specifically how different it is, how wonderful it is, but how we can't just lump it all in together and assume that we're going to stir it up and the soup is going to taste good. Like there is a difference, and so I guess that leads to politics because you're constantly feeling like you kind of have to remind people. On the other hand, um, is that political? I don't know. I guess it is. I guess I just think of. I always think of myself as being kind of the, the chief cheerleader. I'm here to cheer on the work we're doing. I'm here to remind the group, be it in North America or globally, the work that we're doing, Um, constantly trying to jockey for more opportunities within that network. And I guess those things are political, but I also think it's, it's just about doing it the right way. And by that, I mean, and we've all worked with others who you would argue Aren't political, but I don't think it's that they aren't political. I just think they aren't very nice to work with. Like I think you just be nice, be humble, be normal, and and ask for what you want for. Remind people why Canada is is different and how we're great up here and how we punch well above our weight creatively and strategically, um, and just continually remind folks of that. Does it get political? It like can do I enjoy navigating those waters? Not really. I always just kind of err on the side of like, well, it's about the work we do and you hope the people that are doing the work are good people. Um, and I think for the most part, Canadians are just, again, I don't want to generalize one country versus another, but I can tell you Canadians are very friendly and very humble and are good folk. Um, so I think if you kind of go that way, um, it's always the right approach in my opinion. Um, but sure, it comes into it. Of course it does.
1: Yeah. Okay. So know thyself. It can be only at the top. What's your tip number three?
0: So career growth, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be upward. It can be sideways, right? Uh, And it doesn't necessarily have to happen in agency land, right? Like So I've I've been grinding this out now, what, 22 years? I guess 19 of them or 18 of them have been in agencies and four of them have not. Um, But that not, those four years spent um, on the CPG side as a client, were probably the accelerant to my career. It's probably why we're talking today. Um, you know, I took a risk and said, I want to now understand the business that propels clients to make the decisions they make. And so I became a client. Like I felt like my my empathy, my powers of empathy, if you will, my powers of persuasion were starting to wane because I didn't have any real world experience. And I, I'm saying real world in quotes. Agencies are real life, don't get me wrong, but in a way they aren't. <laughs> if the makeup of an agency, I think the average age of an agency across the country, across the the region in North America, I think is 29. Um, and if you think about just the, the construct of an agency, like I mentioned before, I'm 45, I'm the old guy. Like that's not necessarily real life when it comes to outside of agency land. Like we're kind of in our own little bubble. Um, and I wanted to experience what it was like. I remember my first day, literally my first day at Jameson, we're working on something the clock i think it hit 5 or 5:30 people started going home and i literally had a moment where i asked someone like where's everybody going they're like dude we go we go home at night like we have families and things to do we'll come back tomorrow and it was just this like real wake up call for me where it's like in agencies you're so motivated by the work by doing well by wanting to kick butt you don't think about time you know and it's like in the real world people do and people have schedules and people have lives outside of the office and it was just it was just a real wake-up call for me to see how people experience life from a different perspective. Um, and it was really eye-opening for me. I know it all sounds silly and trite now, but in the moment for me at the age I was, and I, like it was just a big eye-opener of like, oh, wow, this is, people have different motivations. People are not always motivated by just doing great work. There are other things that motivate people. And that to me was a big eye-opener. And so I wouldn't have done, had that experience. I had not kind of gone, um, you know, marketing side. So you know, when it comes to the career growth, you know, I saw a thing today on LinkedIn, I was just kind of looking through and it talked about, you know, a career can only move forward. There is no backwards. There may be divots, but you still, you know, if you think of it as the analogy, you kind of fall on the divot and you push yourself out of it. You're always moving forward. And so, you know, I think I mentioned it before, know where you want to get to, but be open to how you get there and recognizing they are all learning experiences along the way. And, you know, if you have to take a step a step sideways to get somewhere, great. I mean, you could have argued my going on the client side as a marketing director at the time, I guess, was a sidestep. It wasn't a forward step, but that was a choice I made because I knew I needed to learn more and wanted to do it on the job. Um, and so I think, you know, that's kind of the, the, the lesson, I guess, is don't presume you know where, you know, the answer and career growth certainly doesn't have to be one direction. It can go lots of different directions as long as you feel like you are, you know, getting to the place you want to get to, um, and doing it the right way, I guess. Um, if you already have, you know, it's funny, if you already had the answer, what would be the point of asking the questions? Right. Like, and so, um, so I think that's, that's kind of the way I approach it, what it's worth.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it kind of, interestingly, like when when you were talking about that career growth can be sideways, and and then I was thinking about this the first tip you gave of knowing thyself, I think maybe also like maybe don't look sideways. I think it can be Mm. really, uh, you know, easy in our industry, especially because it's such a small industry and we all know each other. It's so easy, just like look at Strategy Magazine and you can see where, you know, your, your peers or people who are at an agency when you're at the same level and what they're doing and all that sort of thing now, but it really goes back to well, you know, you each have your own path and what might might be someone's path is obviously not going to be yours and where they may want to get to is not necessarily where you want to get to. Um,
0: Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I mean, it is a, to your point, it's a small industry, which is why I think treating people with respect and the decency you would want to be treated with is super important, as obvious as it is. Like I mentioned before, I remember the people that answered the phone and I remember those who did, I remember those who quote unquote were too busy to spend 15 minutes with me I would I and have coffee or whatever the case may be. And I remember those who actually took the time and I think it matters. And I think, you know, the longer you do this, the more you recognize sooner or later, everyone's out of a gig. Um, and so, you know, and there's a community of us who are out there who have been through it. Right. And so I do think it matters. I also think, um, where was I going with that? Sorry. I had, I had a notion and I lost it, um, but I'll get it back at some point. Um, oh yeah. The, yes. Sorry. Shiny object syndrome. So you gotta have a strategy um you gotta stick to it, and you know it's always okay to look sideways to your point i guess, but don't just don't just look for the sake of looking right i think if if it fulfills your mission, your approach, what your wants and needs are, then go for it. It's your career, you only have one turn at this right do what you, do it feels right for you, but to your point, just recognize that every move has ramifications, and you know it's um those are choices, but uh I think we are all kind of the authors of our own uh our own careers, and whatever makes sense for you in the moment, as long as you do it, quote unquote, the right way with respect and dignity. Um, and I, I think that's all good.
1: Okay. Okay. What's your number four?
0: Number four. Uh, I think I mentioned it before. I'm the chief generalist. You need to surround yourself with experts, with specialists in this gig. Uh, I know a, you know, a lot about, you know, a little about lots of things. I don't know a lot about anything, right? And so I mentioned it before, but at Wonderman Thompson, we do everything from making commercials to doing full up CX to building out websites, um, specific tech jobs, CRM. Um, you know, I think my job is to surround myself with those who know what they're speaking of and are experts in each of those fields, right? And I stay out of their way. I'm here to take the bullets for them when needed, but appreciate that I think you know, 95, even maybe more, 99% of people in agencies actually just want to do great work. And so it's my job to kind of eliminate as much friction as possible to enable those people to do their great their best work. Um, recognize that I'm just here to advocate for them, promote them, help them um, with regards to resourcing and getting them what they need. But also recognize there is no way I will ever know as much as our head of tech uh, Tim uh, knows about tech. And so why why even try? I'd rather Tim lead tech, and I'm here to help Tim. Right, and and that's the point. And so. I think surrounding yourself with people who know, who are experts in their fields, um, is super important. Amassing all that, uh, you know, amassing as much knowledge as you can as the leader, um, but recognizing at some point the handoff has to happen. If I'm having, if I'm spending time with a client and they ask me a question specific to CRM, well, I'm going to steer them towards uh, Kevin, our, our our head of strategy, who has a CRM background, because there's only so far I can go, right? There's only so a certain level of depth I can get to. Um, and so I think having depth that I can support with my kind of jazz hands approach uh, is a nice kind of way of looking at it. So surround yourself with those experts and specialists. That would be my my fourth tip.
1: Yeah. And that sounds like a nice kind of depiction. I think you started out by saying it's a bit of obviously leading from the front, but also driving or supporting from the back. Like that feels mm-hmm. like this is a good uh, example of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, I think the best, I think the best, I think the most effective leaders you know, can can lead the band, um, but have to know how to play a few instruments, right? And in the sense of, I guess the other analogy would be, it's, it's the contractor, right? If you've ever built a house or built anything, it's, I, I think of myself as the contractor. I know enough about what's going on on the job site to be able to speak to you, sell it to you, make sure you're happy. But if you ask me to get up on the roof and put on some shingles, I'll, I'll do my best. It's not going to be as good as the roofer himself, right? And so in that sense, I think that's the gig is to know enough, to be able to have the right conversations uh, and solve problems, right? I'm here to solve those problems. Um, But I also think to your point, it's let your leaders, what's the point of having leaders if you don't let them lead? I've never understood that. I've never understood the micromanagement concept. Now that said, it's easy for me to say I'm not an entrepreneur. It's not my company at the end of the day. Maybe I feel differently about it if it was, but I, I don't think I would in the sense of these people know more than me about their specialties. Let them lead. That's why they're here. Um, and when they need help, they know I'm here. And so I think that's a, that's the kind of the way we approach it.
1: I mean, do you ever get tempted to dive in though? Because I, uh, you were a creative, you were a strategist. Oh yeah, all um, the time. All the time. I try, <laughs> but like, here's you, the like, thing, yourself here's, back yeah, or? <laughs> no, you know, you're right. You're right. Listen,
0: once in a while, I don't know, a couple months ago, I had a marker in hand opportunity and it was amazing. I loved it. I loved being at the whiteboard with the marker. And just kind of, you know, working through a workshop with clients, it was fantastic. I loved it. But I'm very quick to recognize that is a skill. That is a muscle that if you don't exercise it, doesn't necessarily atrophy, but it it is certainly not as strong as it used to be. Um, And so am I tempted to lob in bad ideas? Yes, all the time. But I'm at least quick. I'm at least quick to qualify. Listen, guys, forget my role for a second. Here's a thought. What do you think? And then I get blank stares. I'm like, I thought so. Not good. Get it. But you know what I mean? Like I will, I will lob in you know CEO bad ideas all the time. I try to qualify them and try to create an atmosphere where people feel safe enough to say, Jeff, that's just not good enough, or Jeff, I think we could do better. Um, But I also recognize that sometimes people tell me what I want to hear. Like I know, I think we all know when something's good. You know, when you feel it, you're like, this is good. That's a feeling, and I yearn for that feeling, and I love it when our people have it. Um, Yeah, so sure. Am I tempted all the time? but do I resist the urge because I know we have people who are better at it now because they've been doing it for longer and do it every day? Absolutely. There is no way I can be as insightful about psychographic or demographic A if I haven't spent time in their shoes. And of late, I have not spent time in their shoes because I'm spending time in these shoes. But when I was on the strap planning side, I would literally go, I remember going to like Yorkdale Mall, Yorkdale Mall and parking myself on a bench and watching the way people would walk up to a store watching the way they would walk up to a store and pause and potentially crane their neck or look at their phone or at their time, their Blackberry or whatever it was. Um, But just like the way they would actually shop because I knew I'm not a shopper. I need to understand what's happening. and So I would literally go to the source and go to the consumer and act like them. Um, There's no way that I at this stage of my life and career can be as attuned to what that customer, that consumer wants or needs than our strategy team can, because that's what they do every day. And so I think it's the acknowledgement of knowing like, no, there are, there are experts who do this every day. Um, but yeah, sure. Once in a while, I'll throw in a, hey, have we thought about X? And then everyone looks at me, and it's like, yeah, of course we have, dude. Of course we thought about X. <laughs> so, but but it
1: is, um, is CEO the end point though? Like, could you ever imagine going back to kind of strategy or creative i mean i also found it interesting i think you'd mentioned you were creative then you were strategist then you went back to creative at, at one point and in, in it you know i i think about this theme of it's not necessarily always upward there could be sideways i mean you're really choreographing or writing your own career um so you know it's not necessarily yeah, so, linear
0: no you're absolutely right so i guess it would be it would be silly and short-sighted of me to say no that'll never happen because i don't know Right, so is CEO the end? Is CEO the endpoint? I, I, I hope not. I've been doing this, what I said, 22 years. I'm hoping I'm right mid career at this point. I'd like to, you know, crank this out for another 22 years. And so, what's next? Who knows? I hope it's more of what I'm doing with Wonderman Thompson. We're a wonderful company. We've got a, on a great, you know, growth trajectory and doing some great work. Uh, I would never presume to say that I was leading a creative data and technology company, considering I don't know much about data or technology. Right? So I, I I don't know would be the honest answer. Um, I would love, uh, I love the opportunity to bring all those skills in, you know, whether the strategic skills, creative skills, I think they all come to bear in different ways. Um, I actually think I lean on each of those muscles differently at different times. Um, but who knows what's next? And I think that's kind of the fun of it. You know, you hope in the moment you continue to do what you're doing that makes you happy. But I think you also recognize that it's like, if you look at my history, it would suggest that something else will come uh, who knows what um but so i don't think there's an end point i think the end point is a feeling more than a tangible result if you will um the end point is being happy in your day to day i think um and recognizing that there's a reality to why we work but also there's a joy that comes from it um and as long as i have that good feeling then i want to keep going where that is what that is i hope it's here it likely will be something else eventually that's just kind of the track record but who knows
1: Yeah. All right. So let's let's finish this off. What's your last tip for moving uh, to strategy to the C suite?
0: Well, so the last tip I think kind of sums it up nicely. It's all about narrative, right? At the end of the day, the one of the greatest things, um, one of the greatest skills I was able able to develop as a young creative and a young strategist was the ability to write words and have those words have mean have, have meaning. You know, being a strategist, being a writer, understanding that you know. Uh, once upon a time, and then it gets to the end and what goes in the middle, it matters. You know, I said it before, you know, um, facts and feelings, if you will. I could just tell you right now the performance of the company. Those are the facts. But how am I telling you the story of the performance of the company? I can tell you the facts about me, but how am I telling you the story about me, right? Those are different things. They they come together, of course, but I, I worked for a company, one of the companies I worked for where their line was everything is strategic. And there's something to that. Everything is about narrative. It's about understanding who your audience is and trying to connect with them. You know, the first my first hour at Wenderman Thompson almost three years ago, I got up there for a town hall and addressed two hundred and two hundred plus two hundred plus people um, and told them about what we were going to do and who I was and what that was all about. With an assumption that I understood who my audience was, I thought about what would I want to hear from me in this situation um, as a person in an agency. And I think it's really important. So I think strategy, creativity, it never goes away. If anything, it just empowers your ability to actually persevere through through a career and through ups and downs. Um, you know, I mentioned it before, but being a way in guy, what's the way in, right? We're, okay, I'm about to sit down with a client to talk about whatever I'm talking about. What's the way into that conversation? I'm about to sit and spend, I don't know, an hour with Michelle talking about myself. How are we going to start, right? What's the way in? That's strategy, right? It's like, we have a blank piece of paper. We can go anywhere here. How are we going to start? And where are we trying to get to? And I think of myself as our company's, I don't know, avatar. I'm here. You know, I mentioned it before. I'm, here, I'm the chief cheerleader of Wonderman Thompson Canada. I am representing us. Um, but, you know, I think that's all about being strategic. It's how you present yourself. It's how you present your story. And so I think narrative is hugely important. I know on the client side, when I was a marketer in CPG, being able to tell a story, to a sales group, or to a potential buyer, or to a customer, those are all different stories about the same thing. How you frame each one, what your endpoint is, what your endpoint is, knowing your audience—those things are all strategic. They're all about narrative, and I think that has been probably the most valuable skill that I've been able to utilize in my job as a CEO. I've worked with and for those who weren't very good at this, and you know, I think their intent was uh, was right, but. Just presenting facts isn't going to motivate an a, in an agency context. Agency people, and I'm included in that, need to be motivated and inspired. How do you inspire someone if you can't tell them a story? Um, we work so dang hard at what we do, and we get our butts kicked a lot. I used to say 90% of my job is rejection. I hear no all the time. Why am I coming back for more? I'm coming back for more because there's something about it about the work itself, and there's something about the way it's presented. And there's something about the story. And for me, the narrative is hugely important. So my tip number five is figure out how to tell a story because everything is about narrative, positioning, knowing your audience. And that's why being a strategist can lead you so many different places. And I don't think it's a be all to an end all. I think it's just a doorway into another road potentially. Um, But that would be my fifth kind of pointer, I guess, if you will.
1: Where does vision come into that? Is it about setting a vision as well? Um, I mean, obviously, as a CEO, leading a group of people, or even if I think about like as a strategist, as a brand, you you want to inspire and motivate the client, you want to help them see the possibility of where their brand could go.
0: Absolutely. So, but I guess, you know, vision without a narrative is going to fall on deaf ears. It's Imagine you're a client and I say, you know, I don't think we should be doing that. I think we could do this. And I just stop. Clients gonna look at you, and be like, "Huh?" But if you said, "I don't think we should be doing that. I think we could do this, and here's why, and here are the proof points, and here are the reasons to believe, and this is who your audience is, and this is how it'll all come together." And while it may not be exactly this, it could like the story is ultimately what's going to sell the vision. I think a vision without a story is kind of just like a conceptual notion. And some people can wrap their some people can wrap their heads around it. Some people can um, envision what you're visioning. But if you can't explain it, then I think it kind of falls away. It just sounds like a kooky idea, right? But if it's a kooky idea that's actually backed up by data and facts and a way of positioning it and a different audience or whatever the case may be, then you're cooking, right? And I think that's the point. It's, It's always about having a vision, but a vision without kind of explaining how we might get there, I think doesn't go anywhere, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's, we talk about this a lot at Wonderman Thompson, you know, we've done some amazing work um, and I'm not going to, I know this isn't about that, so I'm not going to start citing cases, but I would still argue that at a, you know, at a certain level, we haven't necessarily demonstrated as much what I would call proof of concept as we would like, right? We are a creative data and technology company doing some fantastic creative data and technology work, but I am still yearning for, and maybe we'll never get there. But I'm yearning for the thing, the thing that you would have started this conversation off by saying, Jeff Daggs, the CEO of Wonderman Thompson Canada, the company that created X. Like, I'm still waiting for that X. And maybe we never get there. Maybe I never get there. Maybe our teams never get there. But I think that's the, to your point about vision, that's the vision. How do we demonstrate when we are at our absolute best and knowing that we've only been in business for three years, ironically? But when we are at our absolute best, we could be achieving X. That's the thing that drives me. That's the vision. But I don't presume to know how to get there. Otherwise, I think we'd already be doing it. And so in that sense, it's almost like uh, you know, you're chasing that carrot, if you will, and you just never get to it. Um, there's something to be said about that as a vision. Um, but uh, what's the story to get there? What is the narrative that gets us there? How do we get there incrementally, step by step? Um, those are the conversations I love having. Um, so to your point, yeah, it's all about vision. But it, you got to be able to explain the vision, tell the story of the vision, and then hopefully achieve the vision. And if you do, tell that story as well.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I have loved this narrative that you've told us. Uh, I'm going to go back through ah. and make sure that I've caught all five. So moving from strategist to C-suite, uh, know thyself, recognize that it can be lonely at the top, um, that career growth doesn't always have to be upwards. It can be sideways. Surround yourself with experts. And the, the last one, obviously, that it's all about the narrative. Did I, did I catch them all? Miss you any?
0: caught it. And I guess the only other tip would be make sure you, before you start rambling on a podcast that's you know, an, almost an hour long that you don't say anything you shouldn't say. Because I start going on this stuff and I can keep talking and talking and talking. So uh, I hope I didn't say anything off, off board. But yes, those are definitely the five. So thank you, Michelle. This has been great.
1: That's okay. We got, we got editors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good. I'm glad. All right.
1: All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time, Jeff.
0: Thank you. Thank you to the team uh, putting this together. Thank you, Michelle. This has been lovely. And uh, I'm glad we got to cross paths many moons ago when we did because uh, it led us here. So who knows where we go next?
1: Absolutely. Chat soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you for joining today's episode of Grow Up. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, share the episode and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we'll be catching up with Barry Quinn, founder and chief creative at Quake on how strategy can get the most out of their design partners. See you then.